a Kotel bar mitzvah unlike any other. Yoma Atzma'ut, to celebrate or not to celebrate, that is the question. And the world is his oyster, if oyster was kosher. Meet Eitan Bernath, the wonder cook from Teaneck. This is the Weekly Squeeze with Hanala. And a happy whatever you are celebrating today, because as Jews, we always have a reason to celebrate. We celebrate Yiddishkeit, we celebrate the Torah, we celebrate the fact that we are the chosen people, we celebrate health, wealth, and happiness, and of course, we celebrate the Weekly Squeeze, the only Jewish news entertainment podcast, freshly squeezed and delivered every single week. It's the queen, y'all. Thank you, Tia. So this week is Yom Ha'atzmaut, and that means that Thursday is going to be a very hectic day here in the land of Israel. The roads will be filled, the barbecues will be loaded, and Israelis will be celebrating mask-free, care-free, and garbage can-free because there is a shortage of garbage cans in this country, a fact that absolutely nobody seems to care about except the cats who recently started petitioning for more free housing. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you know that Israel has a major catastrophe at its feet. Did I say catastrophe? I meant catastrophe. There are approximately 2 million stray cats in the land of Israel. Now, in comparison, there are less than 2 million Israeli Arabs in Israel. What's interesting is that Arabs do not like dogs. And if you've ever been to Hebron, you will see dozens upon dozens of stray dogs in the street because Arabs do not allow dogs in their homes or in their mosques. Unless the dog decides he wants to be a suicide dog, and then he can go to terrorist camp with the rest of their kids. But back to cats for a second. Cats, Arabs consider holy, to such an extent that they are allowed in their homes, in their mosques, and they could even wash themselves from a cat's water bowl, or even eat from a cat's food bowl. There's actually a famous tale told in the Muslim community about the Prophet Muhammad's relationship with cats. He had a cat named Muaza, and he loved this cat so much that the cat was once sleeping on the sleeve of his prayer robe, and instead of waking her up, he took a pair of scissors and he cut the sleeve off so the cat should sleep undisturbed. Now, that would be a beautiful touching story if Muhammad had not, in fact, told his followers to kill Jews who are, last I checked, actual human beings. But what does it have to do with the cat situation in Israel? It's not like the Arabs are taking the cats in. The cats are on the street because between me and you, absolutely nobody knows what to do with the cats. And as usual, the Arabs are not offering any solutions, only problems. So what will we do with these cats? I don't know. Personally, I have no issue with the cats. They don't bother me. There's actually a black and white cat in our parking lot that I'm pretty sure was related to me in a past life because it does not leave me alone. But unless it provides substantial identification or proof of DNA, outside is where she will remain. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you are of Muslim faith, please know that I am not, in fact, anti-Muslim. I have no issue with your regular, run-of-the-mill, happy-go-lucky Muslim. My issue is with Palestinian terrorists. And as far as my, you know, Muslim jokes go, I'm just kidding around. That's right. Okay, so let's get to some beautifully heartwarming stories this week. And there are a number of them, starting with the Holocaust survivor brothers who had a bar mitzvah at the Kotel. Now, when I go to Yerushalayim, I try to go on Mondays and Thursdays because those are the days that the Kotel is teeming with families of all backgrounds celebrating bar mitzvahs at the Kotel. It's even more exciting when you get that whole bar mitzvah parade package. You know which one I'm talking about. You have the guy blowing the chauffeur and on their derbuka and there's balloons. 
I'm pretty sure you could even rent a crying grandmother or two. But regardless of how you celebrate, it's a beautiful sight to behold, especially when they throw the candies and all the women and vloggers are peering over the women's section to take in and enjoy the beautiful sight of yet another Jewish boy accepting the yoke of Torah at the Kotel. Now, I've been to the Kotel many times in the last month, but I managed to miss this epic bar mitzvah. Walter and Oscar, aged 92 and 88, I would just like to point out that if your name is Walter or Oscar, chances are you are aged 92 and 88. In any case, Walter and Oscar finally met their cousin, George, also a name that you don't find under the age of 79, and he was a total stranger to his cousins until as recently as a year ago. I'm actually getting the chills reading about this because my grandfather, Joseph felt like a blessed memory, and his brother, Nussen felt like a blessed memory, left Austria before the war, were separated from their sister, Blanca Rosenfeld, a.k.a. Mora Blanca. She was sent to an orphanage in England, and for many years they were separated until they were finally reunited in Montreal. But in this story, at the young ages of 10 and 6, the two older Blau brothers were sent to an orphanage in Belgium. After the war, they looked for family members and found None. They made Aliyah to Israel, and for years they thought they were the only survivors in the family. In the meantime, they did have surviving family members. Three of their cousins had fled to the United States, and they also thought that they were the only surviving relatives. Now, it took one of their granddaughters 25 years to make the connection after finding a box of letters and some sort of evidence that there was family living in Israel. And finally, this trip was planned, and then coronavirus happened, and then the trip was canceled. But Baruch Hashem, finally, a bar mitzvah almost 70 years past its due date, was celebrated by George, Oscar, and Walter at the Kotel. There is a beautiful picture of all three of them standing wrapped in Talesim. As it turns out, George is actually a big United Hatzalah supporter, and Ellie Beer, the president and founder of Hatzalah, was there at the bar mitzvah, giving over some well wishes and obviously thanking George for all the support he's given United Hatzalah until now and making sure that the two other brothers put United Hatzalah in their wills. That's right. Okay, I'm just kidding, but they are 260 years old together combined and they just got a bunch of bar mitzvah money i'm just saying all right before we get any further into our feel-good stories of the week let me tell you about a feel-good application this week's episode of the weekly squeeze is brought to you by tovito do you know what your kids are watching because if they are not watching tovito let me assure you you don't know what they are watching the rated g of our generation is not the rated G of this generation. The rated G for this generation means garbage because every single thing that is streamed on Gayush television is 100% pure garbage, antithetical to all our Jewish principles. But don't worry, we have a solution for you. Tovito is the number one children's application for streaming Jewish content. I know Chaim Hershkowitz personally and his wonderful wife Nahama. They are constantly at work coming up with new content that's interesting, funny, entertainment, and of course educational so that our children can be distracted long enough to not kill each other in the back of the minivan even though they literally spend 20 minutes a day together. Nonetheless, if you have Tovito playing, everybody will be happily distracted and entertained. Tovito is available on every single device you have streaming you can download it take it on flights with you use the promo code squeeze 10 to get 10 percent off your yearly subscription a totally reasonable price for an amazing application that is not just entertainment but actual torah education for your kids okay let's go back to the kotel for a second but this time we're going to go to a separate section of the kotel one that was 
specifically set aside for the wonderful women of the wall who refused, go figure, to follow orders and enter the plaza set aside for them. Now, if you don't know about the women of the wall, you are not missing anything. But in short, Nashoda Kotel are women who basically want to sing and dance and read from the Torah and wrap themselves in talisim and do, you know, the whole thing that upsets normal religious people who recognize that the Kotel is a place where Hashem dwells, the same Hashem that gave us the Torah, the same Torah that says that you should not throw the Torah out the window so that you can wear a talis and tefillin and read from the Torah at the Kotel. Now, according to the instructions of the Justice Ministry, there was a compound set up for this group to pray and dance and sing and do what they wish. But you know what they say, give a woman a stone and she will want the whole wall. <laughs> so they came over to the main part of the wall with their Sifri Tyra, which apparently evoked the ire of some other women at the Kaisel who allegedly were kicking and screaming and spitting, something the women of the wall claim is also not okay at the Kaisel. I do agree. Now, I have such a great solution for this. I don't know why nobody has thought of this before. Now, I was quick to judge the Arabs about the cats, but I thought this was a beautiful gesture. There was a massive sign unveiled at the Al-Aqsa Mosque this week. And I don't read Arabic, but I'm pretty sure it was inviting the women of the wall to come pray on the Al-Aqsa compound. I mean, if that is not a good... Seriously, I, I just should sh- close up shop now. It's the queen, y'all. Why, thank you, Tia. But somebody needs to speak to the prime minister and tell him I have come up with a solution for the women of the wall. Now, if you are part of the women of the wall, I would highly recommend wearing a bulletproof talus when you go pray at your new digs. But, you know, you, you got to make sacrifices. If this is something you really want, it should be worth a couple of alawakbars. Speaking of alawakbar, I just want to say thank you, Hashem, for the amazing growth that this podcast has seen in the last two months or so. We are officially in the top 5% of podcasts based on downloads per week. So thank you so much. I don't know if you actually have to download it or listen to it. Whatever you're doing, it is working. I have mothers telling me that they're listening in the car and their kids are laughing together with them. Hi, guys. Or that they are listening with their teenage sons and daughters. If you are a teenage boy, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. Your mother told me that you should go clean your room. The good news is you can clean your room while you're listening to the Weekly Sweets podcast. So it's a win-win. Now, if you're a teenage boy, you probably wish that you had a driver's license. I mean, is there anything more exciting in a teenager's life than receiving their driver's license? Now, I got my driver's permit in Florida. All you have to do is make a three-point turn in a parking lot. I actually messed it up the first time. I had to redo the test, much to my embarrassment. But it could have been worse because I had a friend who actually got into a car accident while taking her Florida. I'm not going to say her name on the air, but she knows who she is and she's listening. But I do remember that she smashed into another car or bumped into another car when she was parking. So anyways, they gave her her license because, you know, Florida. Till this day, I try not to get into the car with her. Okay, what does this have to do with anything? A car speeding through the city of Lod in central Israel early morning smashed into the exterior wall of a shul smashing up the front gate. Now, my first thought obviously was terrorism, but then I thought to myself, what if it was just a guy late to shul? 
What if? I mean, why do we have to be so judgmental and right away assume it's a terrorist attack? I mean, think about it. Considering how deep my husband's... My husband didn't even know that we made Aliyah. He went to sleep, we made Aliyah, and then he woke up in Israel. So if your husband's anything like mine, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. But the truth is the driver was actually intoxicated. She was part of a group called the Women of the Wall. Turns out she misunderstood their mission statement, and she thought she had to be a woman in a wall. Oh my goodness. All right, let's shift gears. I want to tell you about the Yoni Lorber band. Now, when you go to a simcha, the music makes or breaks the event. Now, I know this firsthand because my husband is in the event production business and he works with the best singers in the industry. So when I tell you that Yoni Lorber is a terrific one-man band for your simcha, you could take that to the bank after you pay the band. Now, <laughs> Yoni is a second-generation Piamenta family member. He will fly in for your event if you're looking to do a dinner, any sort of simcha where you need somebody to bring the house down, bring the simcha, and do a terrific, professional, beautiful job. Yoni Lorber Band is your band. 347-770-1771. Give him a call. Tell him you have a simcha coming up and that you are not going to waste your time on any Joe Schmo who has a keyboard because that, my friends, is not going to cut it. You don't need a nice sculpture. You don't need sushi. Heck, you don't even need benchers. You just need a great band and great dessert. So if you're a catering company that makes great dessert, this could have been your ad. Okay, before we get into the main story of this week's podcast, I just want to give a shout out to such an inspiring girl. Hodaya Ellis is 16 years old, a 10th grader at Farber Hebrew Day School, and she recently donated her hair for the fourth time to Zichron Menachem, an Israeli nonprofit that supports children living with Yanamachla. Absolutely amazing. Hodaya, who lives in Detroit, has grown her hair till her waist four times. And that's actually amazing in and of itself because she could have used that hair to keep herself warm in Detroit, but instead she gave it to children who could use it to feel beautiful and she will be left with a mitzvah to keep her warm. So, if you're interested in donating hair, you could email esther at zichron.org, E-S-T-E-R at zichron.org. They have a step-by-step guide that will guide you how to grow your hair, how to cut your hair, how to pack your hair, and how to send it off to a deserving child. They will also send you a certificate of thanks. This is an absolute beautiful story to hear. You know, speaking of hair, just reminded me of a story <laughs> that broke in Israel this week that had people uh, laughing, crying, just... Uh, you, uh, okay, a Jordanian was caught entering Israel while cross-dressing as his wife. Now, if you Google it, you will see a beautiful Arab woman. I honestly think this is a lovely outfit that he, she is wearing. And kolakavod to the soldiers at the crossing who realized that this was a man because if you ask me, this is what your average Arab woman looks like. Anyways, this poor fellow was revealed to be a man wearing his wife's dress and hijab. He was actually released by security officials. He was sent back to Jordan after an interrogation where his wife proceeded to slap him silly for wearing her dress and looking better than she did in it. Okay, now, if you are thinking to yourself, boy, there's a lot of news coming out of Israel. Well, this is a podcast that is recorded in Israel on the hills of Beit Shemesh. It's a beautiful day here, and we are currently getting ready for Yom Atzmut. Now, I grew up in a Chabad house where we didn't celebrate anything extra besides your regular, beautiful meaningful, holy, yamun That means we didn't celebrate July 4th or Thanksgiving, Mother's Day or Father's Day, definitely not Valentine's Day. The only reason we knew it was President's Day was because the bank was closed. Um, yeah, but that was pretty much it. In our house, we had a few personal days that we celebrated, like new box of cereal day. 
Mommy found the car in the airport parking lot day. Every single day was number one housekeeper day because we had the best housekeeper of all time. She still works for my parents. The wonderful Frida. I know she's not listening because besides the fact that she raised an engineer and a scientist, she still doesn't speak English. I do know that she loved us and she called us Los Gorditas, which means the beautiful ones. And Mantas and Frida, my regards. Okay. I do want to break down Yomat's mood, but there are still a bunch of other national holidays that I came across that I thought we should celebrate as Jewish people. By the way, these are all real holidays that are celebrated around the world. I saw it on the internet. Okay, January 2nd is Buffet Day. Now, I've been to the Waldorf Astoria breakfast, and the excitement is palpable. I just think we need one proper day to celebrate buffets. Now, did you know that January 15 is Bagel and Lox Day? Yes, it's an official holiday. Now, if you're one of those people who have been celebrating all this time, they actually changed the date because there was a conflict with National Pizza Day that's more celebrating the Italians. Bagels are actually traditionally from Poland, which is so funny because my grandmother actually grew up eating bagels in the Warsaw Ghetto. She just ate the hole in the middle, the empty hole. Holocaust humor, yes, no. Okay, moving along. Oh my goodness, there are so many days. There is an Organize Your Home Day. We don't actually need that because we have an Organize Your Home Month, the whole month of Nissan. Do you know there's actually a day called the Nothing Day, which would never fly by Jews because there's never a day that we do nothing. Every day is just nonstop mitzvahs, 24 hours a day. So no nothing days for us. There is a toothache day in February, which I imagine a Jewish dentist came up with when business was slow. There is a plan a solo vacation day, which traveling mom celebrates every single day of the week. There is an everything you do is wrong day, which wives celebrate year round. And then there is an everything you do is right day, which husbands should be celebrating all year round. But they didn't know about it. Now you know about it. By the way, we're only in March, just to understand how many days there are. There's a Be Kind to Lawyers Day, April 12th, which I should jot down and remember to call my brother. Hi, Shlaimi, if you're listening, I'll call you on April 12th. Okay, what else do we have? We have a Put a Pillow on Your Fridge Day. Not in your fridge. <laughs> um, on your fridge for good luck. Okay, how do you celebrate? You put a pillow on your fridge to bring luck. It says here, make sure you let your other family members know you are celebrating the day lest they think you are turning the fridge into your bed. Mind your own business. If I want to sleep in my fridge because it's hot or because it's just easier that way, that is my business. My fridge, my business. Now, Tia stepped out for a coffee, but that's right. Okay, there are so many I could spend all day on this, but let me just go through. We're only at uh, May. Uh, Macaroon day. I don't know why macaroons, they ma- there should be a day to throw out macaroons after Pesach. I don't know why we buy them. We literally just throw them out after Pesach. Uh, chocolate pudding day, uh, international joke day. So that's fun. Sidewalk egg frying day, which happens in middle of the summer here in Israel. I've tried it. It does work. Emoji day, vanilla ice cream day, and an uncle take your pants for a walk day. That's fun. How do you celebrate? Oh, you wear your pants on a walk. Got it. Work like a dog day. My husband celebrates that all year round. Fresh breath day. Well, that's refreshing. Middle child day. Left-handers day. Eat outside day. Okay, well, that also falls out of Pesach. Let's see. What else do we have? Punch day. I don't know if that means the drink or punch somebody day. Uh, Crush a can day. Ask a stupid question day. Okay, what is crush a can day? Oh, today is not ask a stupid question day. I'm sorry. International coffee day. Okay, last I checked, international coffee day is four times a day. Oh my goodness. This is from my sister Rachala. I love Lucy day. 
Wow. October 15th. Save the day. We are going to celebrate. My sister is a massive I Love Lucy fan. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Put your own shoes on day. Okay, that's not actually day, but I am trying to convince my six-year-old son that it is. And the last holiday of the entire year, which falls out on December 31st, is Make Up Your Mind Day. And because I did not know that Make Up Your Mind Day was on December 31st, we are going to celebrate Make Up Your Mind Day today because I am going to help you figure out if you should celebrate Yom Ma'ut or not. I'm going to help you make up your mind. So happy Make Up Your Mind Day. Here we go. So the other day I put up a poll on Instagram asking people if they observe Yom Ma'ut or not. 74% of my audience said no and 26% said yes. Then I asked, if you do celebrate Yom Ma'ut, tell me why. And if you don't celebrate Yom Ma'ut, tell me why. So let's read some of those answers out loud and get a feel for where the people are at. Now, the answers are fairly short, so I'm going to pause for a second between each one so you'll know when the next one starts. Also, you might want to put the playback for this on a faster speed because there are a lot of answers. So just click the 1.5 or the 2 and speed right through these unless you just have all the time in the world. Uh, here we go. Honestly, I hate that we don't, as Chabad Chassidim, wish we could change that. We never celebrated it. Simple. The state of Israel has caused Yiddishkeit to decrease. Raised Satmer and anti-Zionist can't just click undo. Celebrate Israel as a holy land, but this is celebrating Tzionim and their thought of Kaychivaitzim Yadi. Labavagers, my husband would freak out at the Israeli flag filter you had in your story. The Rebbe spoke vehemently against celebrating it. Eretz Yisrael always belonged to us. The Rebbe spoke strongly against it. In America, I thank Hashem and move on. Hashtag Satmer smiley face. <laughs> I deeply love Eretz Yisrael, but don't feel that we will truly be independent until Mashiach. Additionally, the founders were anti-religious, agnostic, and worked really hard to erase religion in all areas. Because the establishment of the state goes completely against Tyra, another Am Satmer, the rabbi didn't want us to celebrate the secular state and Zionism, Lubav, Satmer, laughing emoji, it's a day they celebrate Medina Yisrael, which as a Lubavitcher I view as something that contradicts Tyra. Just because, but I should, and Blinadur this year, I will, because of you. Two kisses, thank you. Of how the state of Israel was created, anti-religious, the stories of what happened are insane. Mashiach, dot, dot, dot. I grew up in the Chabad system and still am, so it's just not something I was raised with. I don't live in Israel. I'm Lubavitch. I live in America. I don't celebrate July 4th, even as a proud American. Okay, you're just lazy. I made Aliyah and thank Hashem every day for the land he gave us. I live a Torah life. I never knew about it growing up. My kids' schools don't. My new shul does. Looking forward. The Israeli Gov is the only one to keep Mashiach away. Why would you celebrate? All caps locks. Do you realize? Six question marks. That's because the Israeli army believes they are the Messiah themselves. When Mashiach comes, Amir Hashem, all armies will acknowledge and retreat, except the Israeli army. Oh, I see. Because they believe they are the Messiah themselves. Got it. Okay. Hashem said that if the Jews create an army, Hashem will forsake them. Okay, this one is just going on and on. We're going to skip the next three. The root of Zionism is anti-Tyra. It was explained that it stands for Zionistic values, which contradict Tyra. I didn't grow up with it. I'm Satmer. The words of Rebiel Teitelbaum. I don't celebrate the creation of the state of Israel. I celebrate Israel every day. The Rebbe was very against the state of Israel and the flag with what it represents. They didn't include Hashem in their constitution, and it's very Zionistic. How is a Lubavitcher? Do you reconcile this idea? Israel is amazing, but it doesn't thank Hashem. Even Americans do. 
When you learn the history of Medinat Yisrael and the truth behind it, you don't really want to celebrate anymore. It's not that I'm grateful, that I'm not grateful. I love Eretz Yisrael and lucky I get to live here, but I celebrate Eretz Yisrael every day and not just Medinat Yisrael on this specific day. Got it. Okay. Uh, wow. Before Mashiach's times, we don't celebrate having our own land. The Satmar Rebbe Zechariah believe the land will be given to us when Mashiach comes. Okay, waiting for Mashiach in order to celebrate. We're not out of Galos yet. It's also during Sfira. Plus, Hashem's name is not in Hatikva. I love Eretz Yisrael. I'm a proud follower as well as a proud Satmar. It was never a thing for us. As a Frum Jew, I don't believe in what it stands for, but I don't shout it from the rooftops. Every day that we have the schus to have Israel in Jewish hands is a gift from Hashem, but I'll celebrate it when we have it for always with Mashiach together in Mitzvah Shem soon. Because we believe it's ours when Mashiach comes, even as we may love the land. Because I feel it was disrespectful to make such a day during Sfira. Celebrate Israel every day. Waiting for Mashiach to celebrate our land. Until then, not sure it's ours. I'm not Israeli, don't live in Israel, never celebrated it. Ani Yehudi, Lotzioni. I'm anti-Zionist, not anti-Jewish. As a Lubavitcher, we are not Zioni, we are a supporter of the land of Israel and its people, but I don't know where the rest is. Okay, that's just how one of my family, my mother does though, she's Israeli. I wait for Lagba Eimer to celebrate Avos Chinam, but get to enjoy the day off. Depends if I have falafel in the freezer or not, that is my favorite so far. I strive to be Lubavitcher Chassid, Svira, I'm Satmer, and we believe the establishment of the state is against the Torah. Still love you, thank you, love you too. Frumkite is bad, I don't know where that came from. A few more, because Israel was founded on anti-Frum and anti-Yiddishkeit. My grandfather was brought in by the Zionists as a teen to fight the British and was unfortunately brainwashed. I see that Frumkeit is bad. Got it. So Frumkeit is not bad unless you understand what this guy is talking about. I live in the UK. We don't feel it as much here. Love you. Love you too. Uh, They fought Judaism enough from the outside. We should not be fought in our own home. Last one. I don't live in the state of Israel. I live in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so it is clear that those of us who don't celebrate Yom Atzmut have very valid, well-thought-out reasons. seems to me like many of the Lubavitcher and Satmar Chassidim are on the same page, to some extent, because the Lubavitcher had a different opinion than Satmar regarding Eretz Yisrael, and I will just shortly recap what I understand to be the Lubavitcher's position on Eretz Yisrael. Now, obviously, we're not talking about Zionism when it comes to secular Zionism, and those are you know, people who believe that Israel should be like any other European country and that religion has no role in it. They love Israel just like an American loves America and a Frenchman loves France. 100% pure patriotism. Now, what does it mean to be a firm Zionist? A firm Zionist is someone who believes that the establishment of the state of Israel is the beginning of Mashiach's times because now the Jewish people have their own land where they are safe. They can run their own country, make their own laws, they have a government, and this is the beginning of the era of Mashiach, and that in and of itself is enough of a reason to say Hallel and to celebrate um, the Yom Tif that is Reishis, Geulah, Simchazenu, and those from Zionists will even say Hallel and wish each other a good Yom Tif. Now, the first time I heard this, I thought my leg was being pulled, but now that I'm an adult, I know that my leg was being pulled. Israel was supposed to be in Uganda. True story. They were pulling my leg to Uganda, which is crazy. But that just goes to show how secular Theodore Herzl was, that it didn't even matter to him if Israel was on the land of Eretz Yisrael. Now, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, on the other hand, was extremely passionate about Eretz Yisrael, the land. Now, we know that the Jewish people were put into Galus because of the way they behaved in Eretz Yisrael. As a punishment, we were put into Galus. How do we get back into Eretz Yisrael? By doing Torah mitzvahs. 
Avas Yisrael, and earning the schos, the merit to actually live here and have a land that loves us back. So there's no real question if Eretz Yisrael is a holy land to begin with. That Satmer understands, and Chabad understands, and everyone understands. However, the fact that we are here now in the year 2022, is that because we fought for it with our army, with our physical strength, or because we earned it on a Ruchnistika level? And if we didn't earn it on a Ruchnistika level, then how are we talking here safely? Is it because our army or is it because we are working on ourselves? And the problem is that we may become lax in thinking, oh, we have a great army. We are strong. We have a great economy. Where is Hashem in the picture? We might forget that Hashem is always in the picture. Now, Satmar holds that as far as Eretz Yisrael goes, until Mashiach comes, we have no right to live here and we have no right to celebrate living here because Hashem does not need us to be here until we are deserving of it and that will be only when Mashiach comes. So it really depends your perspective and what you believe ultimately. Do you believe that Zionism was a false messiah that needs to be rejected? Was it a test where we were dangled Eretz Yisrael in front of our eyes as an appealing option so we could be safe post-Holocaust? But living here is actually a catastrophe that's bad for the Jews on a spiritual level. Or do you believe that living here and having autonomy and having a country that welcomes Jews from all around the world and provides a safe haven for refugees is worth fighting for, is worth dealing with, and even more so is worth celebrating because this is just a means to an end. And so long as we're here in Eretz Yisrael, we are as close as we possibly can be to Mashiach and Mashiach's times. That's right. That's right. Now. I remember as a kid hearing and seeing the Rebbe plead with Sharon and anyone involved in the politics of Israel that not even one inch of Eretz Israel should ever be given back to the Arabs. Every single inch of the land is holy, and the more you give, the more they take, and the more terrorism we will have to endure. Of course, the Rebbe was 100% right, because here we are all these years later, and the terrorists are still terrorizing, even though we have acquiesced and given in so many times. So just to be clear, the ideology that the land of Israel could possibly replace religion, that's what the Rebbe was against. But the fact that Eretz Yisrael is intrinsically holy, that every Jew living in Eretz Yisrael is intrinsically holy, that was the Rebbe's bottom line, and that's why the Rebbe invested so much time and energy in making sure that Chabad flourished here in Eretz Yisrael, and that he had an open discourse with all the politicians when they were negotiating things that the Rebbe did not want them to negotiate. And the fact that Eretz Yisrael came to be on the hands of secular Zionists does not take away from the fact that Eretz Yisrael is, in fact, in our hands today, and we have the opportunity to make the most of it on a physical and spiritual level. So lechatchila, maybe not, but b'dieved, you get the point. The Rebbe was very pragmatic. And the Rebbe never called Eretz Yisrael Medinat Yisrael, always Eretz Yisrael, the land that Hashem gave the Jewish people to the Avais and not to Theodore Herzl. Now, regardless of where the Jews would have ended up establishing Israel, had it been Uganda, the Rebbe would have encouraged the Yidin to be makar of each other and to grow in their Ruchnias and to bring Mashiach. Lucky for us, we are already here on the Holy Land of Israel. Living here in Israel doesn't make me a Zionist. Making Aliyah doesn't make me a Zionist. I am actually not a Zionist. I am a Jew fulfilling one of the mitzvahs, one of the obligations to live in Eretz Yisrael. Lucky me. But there are another 612 mitzvahs that I also have to keep and assuming that making Aliyah is superior to any of them and that I could sacrifice one or override another. Well, that's just not how it's done. Tia, what do you say to that? My own decisions. I don't want no opinions. Exactly. It's nobody else's opinion. It's your decision. You got to do what works for you. Now let's hear from the people who are celebrating Yom Ha'atzmaut. This should be fun. I appreciate that we have this land of our own. 
think I'm going to do something this year. You inspired me. Great. I think it's an important day, but didn't really ever do something special for that day. Thanks to Israel and the army, we have access to our own holy places and a safe haven for all Jews, just like I celebrate July 4th. Without Israel, Jews around the world wouldn't be safe. I taught day school for 30 years, and it's the biggest deal. Israel is home, and every Jew should celebrate the day and Yom HaZikaron because I'm an Israeli. I'm a from Zionist, and I love Israel. As someone growing up with the Satmar Hashkafa, I strongly believe that the Medina... Okay, you're in the wrong question box, girl. Hashem has clearly given us this nace, and we should celebrate the country and those who defend it. For 2,000 years, the Jews have longed and dreamed of living in our land. Here we are, Bar Hashem, Mazel Tov. I'm a proud Israeli. I'm a proud Israeli. I'm a Zionist. My grandparents fought in the war of 1948, so they said hello. We went to the parade and the school I went to and some teachers spoke about it. We didn't actively celebrate in our circles. They don't, but we do speak about it and growing. Okay, that's not English. I support Israel, though I am neither Jewish nor Israeli. That's cool. I don't live in Israel. Okay, it's important to celebrate the good in our lives. I agree. So many miracles go into our everyday existence. It's important to acknowledge this. Even though I don't live there, I love Israel. Never did anything specific, but I think this year I will make it a point to do so. If not for Israel getting independence, where would it be today? It's a big deal. I celebrated in my heart, no barbecue or party. I don't take having and living in Artsina Kutosha for granted. In my heart, I have already made Aliyah. How do you celebrate it? Okay, we're going to get to that soon. I feel such gratefulness to the state of Israel for providing us with a safe home. The state of Israel is a clear openness from Hashem. How could we not celebrate? It's the occasion to eat falafel. <laughs> it's the same falafel girl. Girl, you're funny. It's a day off and a time to be with family since Israel is always hustle bustle. Hubby works every day, so it's the only time we are together on holidays and days off. But sorry, Israel is not independent when we have a Prime Minister, Bennett, who sides with Arabs and is scared of them. Good point. Nothing is free. There are so many people whose lives were sacrificed so we could live freely. It's a day to honor and celebrate the brachis we have in our lives. We have a barbecue on July 4th, so what's the difference? Also, hello, anything Israel is a yes for me. The state of Israel coming to exist and continuing to exist is a miracle and a gift from Hashem. Israel is our home, even though I don't live there right now. I don't publicly celebrate, but I don't disrespect others that do. How could we not thank Hashem for bringing us back to Eretz Israel? And lastly, because thanks to Israel, we feel safe to be proud Jews everywhere. Wow. Now, if you're listening to this episode and thinking, by golly, Hanula just gets better and better. Every single episode is just more interesting than the next. Well, sit tight, because I actually have another episode dropping this week as an extra bonus treat. Why? Because I love you. Don't forget to rate my podcast and send it to a friend. Now, let's talk about 10 cool slang words that you have to know if you make Aliyah or if you come move to Israel or if you just want to act cool when you go get some kebab and the waiter is Israeli. So, yalla, let's go. Yalla is actually on the list. Yalla just means let's go. Come on. Yalla. Yalla bye. Yalla hello. Yalla yalla. Uh, sababa. Sababa is just a, another cool word that means cool. Great. It's extremely common. Some people say sababi or sababush. It's just a shtick to add a ush to everything because Israelis are weirdush like that. Next phrase that will make you sound super cool is when you say achi. Achi is like my brother, bro, dude, guy whose name I don't know. Achi. Another phrase I hear often, especially when I tell people that I'm a massive influencer in America, is chai baseret, living in a movie. This literally means somebody who has an unrealistic expectation or is living in a fantasy world. Okay, duly noted. Batachlis. You're listening to my podcast, right? So I'm a shtickle famous, right? Tachlis, bottom line. 
Now, if the waiter tells you, I'm sorry, but we are all out of dessert, you have to say, which means nonsense in juice, which makes absolutely no sense because that is what the term actually means used when speaking about something that makes no sense. For example, the phrase is Now, if you're looking at your watch and thinking, boy, this podcast is just going on forever. I have so many things to do. You might be using the expression or chavlaz which basically means, what a waste of time. But what's strange is that it also means something that's totally awesome. Like, did you hear Hanalo's podcast? It's Chaval Lazman. So it just depends how you say it. If you shout it, if you whisper it, if you're enthusiastic, or if you're angry. Like every other thing in the land of Israel. Now, being that my Hebrew is so amazing, you might be thinking, I wonder if she's going to do a podcast one day in Hebrew. My answer to that is para, para, cow, cow. It's just a way of saying one thing at a time. Para, para. We will see. I'm just going to throw in a few extra because it is Yom Atzmaut here in Israel, and this is a supersized episode, so why not learn all the Hebrew slang that you possibly can? The word yesh means yes. Yesh, there's hot water, even though the dude was not turned on. Ki'ilu, I have protexia. Like I have some sort of connection here. Ki'ilu, I'm some sort of fryer that takes a cold shower when it's freezing outside. Because when you make aliyah, you learn that the matzav with the dude is sometimes just ala panim. Someone had a jukbarosh, a cockroach, in their brain and thought, hey, why should we put electricity when the sun shines for four months a year? The rest of the year, well, we have Caroline deodorant. She will step in. But let me tell you something, folks. Even if there's no hot water... In Israel, asechayim, you gotta live it up. Are you gonna let a little cold water ruin your day? Huh, Habibi? All right, and now for the last story of the week, and this is a good one. Now, you guys know that I love to cook. I hate to cook. But you know who loves to cook? Eitan Bernath, who has millions of followers on Instagram, on TikTok, all of 20 years old, this Jewish food influencer is making waves, or should I say omelets and chocolate chip cookies with brown butter and bourbon. His new cookbook is called Eitan Eats the World. It's available for pre-order. And I know what you're thinking. I can't get my son to make himself a peanut butter sandwich. And this kid is running a culinary empire. But let me tell you something, moms. Now you can buy your teenager a cookbook and be like, hey, you want to be cool? You could be like TikTok viral chef Eitan Bernath and make an avocado cucumber sandwich burger for dinner with some asparagus and whatever else they're putting in fancy food these days. So this is actually really nice. I'm really proud of him and I'm impressed. Eitan is a proud Jew and he wears his mug and David in media appearances. He's very conscious of the fact that he's representing Jewish people and he recognizes that his actions will reflect how other people perceive all Jewish people. So that is beautiful that he is aware of that responsibility. This year, he had the opportunity to be in the White House for the annual Hanukkah candlelighting ceremony. He admits to crying while being in the presence of the president and vice president. So have I. <laughs> and I wasn't even in their presence. Just looking at them makes me cry. Okay, back to the story. Just being able to be loud and proud and Jewish in the White House, celebrating a tradition I've grown up with my whole life, filled me with an indescribable sense of pride. Well, congratulations, Eitan Bernath, on your new cookbook, which includes Israeli-style sesame schnitzel with herby tomato cucumber salad and a croc, croc? Croquet Monsieur Tuna Melt. We wish you much azlacha, and if you come to Eretz Yisrael, Eitan, I would love to have you as a guest on the Weekly Squeeze podcast. 
Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Whether you celebrate or not, whether you barbecue or don't, whether you plan to make Aliyah or don't, I love you all the same. A Jew is a Jew. Every Anaychi. Okay, I don't know where I was going with that. Have a wonderful day. We will see you next week. <laughs>